Welcome to the Teaching with Madly Learning podcast replay, fitting it all together to make teaching and learning in the junior grades more accessible, practical, and fun for both teachers and their students. Here's your host, teacher by day, mom of three, and curriculum creator of all the things from madlylearning.com, Patty Firth. What if I told you you didn't need to have so many math tests that, in fact, you could probably skip your math test because there are other assessment things that you can do that will effectively assess your students and be able to generate a mark for that looming report card without overburdening you in the amount of marking and assessing that you are doing at home. My name is Patty, and I am a teacher here in Ontario, Canada. And every single week, we have a new episode of Teaching with Madly Learning. It is our hope that we are able to help you make teaching and learning more fun and engaging for both you and your student. If you don't want to miss an episode, subscribe and like our channel here, and please feel free to leave feedback. So testing. I hate testing as a teacher. Number one, it increases the amount of marking that I end up taking home. I have always worried with testing that I am not accurately being able to capture student learning, that somehow through the distribution of questions and the types of questions that I'm asking, or even the marking scheme that I'm using, I am not getting the most accurate representation of my students' ability. In fact, being able or watching students score A's and B's on their test when you know full well that they still can't really do the concepts, but they just ended up scoring well because they got the right type of questions right and the wrong type of questions didn't really impact their overall mark. But yet those questions that they didn't do well on or didn't impact their overall mark actually were the parts of the test that showed whether they truly understood the concepts being tested. So for that reason, I try not to overly rely on tests in mathematics and start relying more on other, more frequent, but in-class type of assessments that we can do that don't necessarily overload my at-home marking time, but also end up giving me more accurate representations of what students are learning. In a previous episode on math and assessment that I will link in the show notes, we talked about projects and how math projects can be alternatives to tests. But there's also things that you can do every single day and every single week that will add to your assessment toolkit so that you don't necessarily have to over-rely on tests. And in next week's episode, we're also going to talk about if you are going to use tests, how to fairly and equitably level those tests, distribute the questions, and score those tests so that the results of those tests give you an accurate representation of student learning and are not skewed unfairly for one group of students over another. So you want to skip tests. Well, how else are you going to collect assessment data each and every week or each and every day or each and every unit every month for your students to make sure that you are accurately assessing and gathering that data in a way that doesn't overburden your marking load and doesn't feel like you are constantly having to deal with those piles of math paperwork that are sitting on your desk just waiting for you to get to them or throw them out. I don't know. You do you. Anyways. 
For me, there are a few things that you can systematically include in your math program that will allow you to gather so much assessment data right in the moment that you're not ending up overloaded with marking or taking a ton home to the point where you have enough assessment data, you don't feel the need to have a test because you already know exactly where your students are in their ability to learn. So coming up with a mark is super simple because you've been collecting so much data up until this point. Now, remember when we're collecting data, we're collecting data at three different points through observations, conversations, and the products that they produce. So one of the ways that we're going to reduce our, our overloaded marking piles is to rebalance how we're collecting information and not always collecting products but that we're going to increase the number of observational activities and conversational activities that we do with our students. The number one way we can do that is beginning to implement guided math. Guided math is very similar to guided reading. It is small group instruction at your guided reading table. Maybe we can call it our guided math table, but it's small group instruction at our guided table that allows us to systematically reteach or teach new concepts to our students and observe them doing the work and having targeted conversations. We can accurately assess students through both observations and conversations right in the moment when they're sitting with us in a guided math session. Students are completing a task that we've asked. We give them a quick introductory, very mini lesson, like five minutes and then give them 15 minutes to work. We're sitting right there with them. We are watching them solve the test. We're watching where they have problems. We can react to when they're struggling, but we are having those observational, conversational moments with each one of our students weekly that allows us to see exactly where they are, exactly what they're struggling with. We can ask them guiding questions, probing questions to see where their thinking is at, and redirect their thinking so that they're not continually practicing an incorrect method, we can do all of that in a guided math session. Just as important as guided reading is to teaching students reading and that targeted instruction and as conferencing is to writing, we also have the importance of guided math. That small group instruction, the immediate feedback, the comments and conversations you have in response to watching your students solve problems right live in front of you, and your ability to have a simple tracking form that allows you to track what it is students are doing for you right in the moment is going to allow you to get so much more information than a test would ever give you. And because it's happening live and in the moment, you're getting your observational data, you're getting your conversational data, and because they're probably solving a problem and you may have a product that they're actually producing as a result of that guided session. So you get all three types of assessment data in a guided session in 20 minutes. It takes me sometimes 20 minutes alone just to mark one kid's assessment or their test. So if I'm looking for my best return on the time investment or the best bang for my buck, a guided math session is a fantastic way to gather a tremendous amount of data in a shorter amount of time without needing to take anything home. So as a teacher, I want to figure out exactly how I need to structure my math classroom so that that guided math lesson can 100% happen every day.
And is it a challenge to get your students there and at that point? Absolutely. But when they're doing it in guided reading and they're doing it in language when you're conferencing with students and they're, you're doing it again in math, this now just becomes a way you operate your classroom. And they become more independent students and you have to just get them to that point and build that independence. And if I've said it before, I'll say it again. All students are able to work independently when the work that they're doing is at their independent work level. It is easy enough for them to be competent at doing it and engaging enough that they're willing to spend their time on it. So number one is if you want to cut back on testing, you need to increase your assessment material by doing guided math. Another component are daily math warm-ups. I have forever loved daily math warm-ups. Now, these are questions that they complete every single day in the morning when they walk in. I love doing math first thing in the morning if I have the opportunity to do it. Their brains are fresh. They're ready to tackle hard things. So why not put math first thing in the morning whenever you possibly can? So for years, my students would come in and they would grab their morning math page and they would go and sit at their desk and do a daily math warm-up. Now that sounds like a lot of marking. If you as the teacher think that you're going to mark what they do every single day, I don't. Marking those daily math warm-ups is a great opportunity for me to circulate around the room and to go to students strategically each day. Which three students are you going to go see today? If you have 20 students in your classroom, you've got five days a week, you need to observe and check in with five students. Because that math warm-up is repetitive, because it's a lot of the same concepts that are being taught each week, you're going through those questions, talking to students or just picking five students that you're going to observe what they're doing, have a conversation, and then check off that they've done it or they've got it and record that observation conversation and the fact that you looked at that product in the moment while they were doing it, that's how we're marking those. We can also, because they're doing those warm-ups, use them as exit tickets and entry tickets. You can pick one day that you're going to collect their morning math pages or that you're going to collect the bell work that they did in math or the question that you put on the board and they answered. You can pick one random day where you're actually going to collect it, and that's what you mark. And because you have your guided math assessment, because you have walked around and observed students doing their work, that is one small question and page that you're marking each day, which can probably be accomplished a lot quicker than, say, marking a whole math test. You're marking one question that a student is doing for that day to just check in with them what they're doing. It can be an entry ticket. It can be an exit ticket. You can also take up those questions with your students and have them be responsible for recording how they did on their math test. So you can have the math checks, you can post the answers, have students check their answer for that day, and then record in a Google form or an Excel sheet or however you feel or in a, on a piece of paper in their math duotang. However you feel would be best to have them help record how they're doing would be a great system for them to do. You can use a scoring system where you can ask them, you know, close your eyes and show me a hand, your hands, one, two, three, four, five. How are you doing on this topic in math? Do a self-assessment, record how students are feeling about math. Initially, I find students always score themselves really high at the beginning. As they start doing that self-assessment more and more and more, they do seem to get more accurate 
as you continually talk about what does it feel like, what does it look like, that social emotional learning piece that is in math curriculum now, that piece as students get more comfortable with that, those self-assessments do improve over time. But you can collect that and use that as part of your own assessment as their student assessment, especially when it matches and they're aware of what they need to work on. That's another key that is going to be really helpful for your students to be able to track that. My other really favorite one to be able to do every single week is to do a math journal. Now, math journals were very popular. Interactive math journals have been a popular item on TPT forever. However, I wanted to take the interactivity sort of out of it, but use a similar concept where really it's a retell, reflect, and relate question where they are reflecting on the concepts they learned. They're looking at the learning goals that they were being taught for the week, and they're asked to reflect. They need to repeat what it was or retell what it was that they learned that week. So they have to have been paying attention because they know you're going to be asking. So at the end of the week, if you were working on two by one digit multiplication and you were teaching them the standard algorithm and the box method and partial product method, they would need to, in their math journal, retell you what it is they learned. In this week, we learned how to do the box method, the partial product method, and the standard algorithm in math to solve two by one digit multiplication. They are letting you know what to do. They can even state, and I found this week that my preferred method was the partial product method. Here's why. And they can include that in there. So you're getting them to regurgitate or rethink and talk about what it was that they learned first in their math journal. Then they need to do some proof. They need to include a question. They need to show that they understand how to do it. So if they said that they were required to show two out of three strategies, they could make their own question and demonstrate that they understood how to use the partial product strategy and the box method strategy within their math journal. They could show you an example. They could write a word problem and solve it. They could write just a standard two by one digit multiplication and show you that they could solve it using partial product and the box method. They could write five different questions and show you, you know, the first three were partial product, the second two were box method. However, they wanted to show you they're essentially writing questions to their own test. The final is a reflect question. And this gets them thinking about the math. How did you do? What are your strengths? What did you struggle with? What did you learn this week? Really getting them to think about that thinking part of math. Getting them to tap into the social emotional part of math. What was hard? How did you get through it? What did you do differently? How did you learn this week? All of those types of prompts and questions can be included in that reflect section. It allows you as the teacher then to collect their math journal and you very quickly, based on what they've shown you, what they've said, did they understand what it was that they were supposed to learn? Can they show you they understand how to do it? Have they recognized that they learned something? Have they identified where they're struggling? Do they have no sweet clue what they're doing? Then those are really good indicators. I love math journals over tests because it really gets your students to think. Think as mathematicians, think as learners. It taps into that really important social-emotional piece, builds their confidence because they start to see themselves as learners where math is something that they can grow into, that's something they are fully in control of, 
And it's not this, I'm going to do a test. I don't know how it's marked. I don't know what I'm going to do on it. I don't know how I'm going to do on it. And it just comes back with a mark on it. And I can't change anything. I can't do anything differently. I can't make any improvements on that. We know that that might not necessarily be true, that we allow students to rewrite them or to try harder or uh, do something else, extra credit, all of that kind of stuff. But in a student's mind, in a student's mind, that's not necessarily the case. Those tests seem final, whereas a math journal seems like we're recording our journey as mathematicians. And I've seen great success in allowing students to write those math journals and my ability to assess students in guided reading and my daily math warm-ups have always given me a tremendous amount of information that makes it so I don't necessarily need to be collecting or doing tests every four or six weeks because I already know where they are. I don't need a test to show that to me. Now, every once in a while, there are times where I will test just because I need something quick and I want to sort of put that extra added pressure on students. Sometimes a test will do that. And there are certain concepts where that's necessary, but other ones, not so much. And I can gather that assessment data more, more readily, more frequent, and know exactly where my students are without necessarily need to spend the time it takes to write the test and the time it takes to mark that same test without necessarily guaranteeing that that test is going to give me a reliable result that shows me accurately how students are performing. Thank you for listening to the Teaching with Madly Learning podcast replay. Join me on www.madlylearning.com for more information on all things teaching in the junior grades. Don't forget, you can always catch this show on the Madly Learning YouTube channel. See you next week for another replay episode of Teaching with Madly Learning.